Mindfulness Mode 180. Good is coming to us all the time and the support you get from sort of source energy is, is always there. The question is, how are you blocking it? What is it that you're doing to get in the way of that coming to you? Reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, so good to have you with us today. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I've got a very interesting and mindful guest. He's... He's not from North America. You'll find out that uh, he's from England. And he is really passionate about music and more specifically about teaching music and performing music. I found it really interesting to find how he applies mindfulness to his life and his words of wisdom with from his experiences in life and he's been through so many different things really enjoyed talking with him so i hope you do too sit back relax and enjoy today's show okay mindful tribe let's get started i am really excited today to have mark taylor with us hey mark are you in mindfulness mode i certainly am bruce many thanks for having me on my pleasure. I am so happy to talk to Mark today. Wow, he's just done so many great things. Mark Taylor is a professional percussionist and for 20 years has enjoyed a fulfilling freelance career performing opera, ballet, music theater, and symphony orchestras. Mark was also co-director of a music education company called Rhythmically Speaking for 10 years. Besides all that, Mark is creator and host of the Education on Fire podcast. So Mark, what does mindfulness mean to you? I think for me, Bruce, um, mindfulness is just a way of, of checking in with yourself just to see how you're feeling in, in your general well-being. Um, I certainly believe that um, we should be in flow with life and um, and life should be fairly easy. And mindfulness is just a way of checking in just to think, is there any angst anywhere? Is there anything going on that doesn't quite feel right? Am I excited about life? Am I excited about what I'm doing? Um, and if I'm not, then mindfulness is a way of just sort of being able to just sort of check and say, okay, if that's not the case, then then, then what can I do about it? Well, you have been excited about life for a long time from the sounds of it. When did you first become interested in percussion, being a percussion player? Well, that's that's quite an interesting story in as much as it um primary school here in the UK um right. which goes up to about the age of 11. Um I went to a great primary school and um was involved in a recorder ensemble and choir and that sort of thing and then moved on to secondary school and decided that football is going to be my thing or soccer as in as it is out there in the US um and I've never wanted to play music again it's fine I've done that been there done that um and then amazingly I went to um, my secondary school and part of our music curriculum was you had to learn a musical instrument for the first year so I thought well there goes my plan of never playing again <laughs> <laughs> so um there was a whole list of anything you could do from string instruments to woodwind and brass and uh, and drums and um and I thought, oh, I don't know. Drums sounds like if I've got to do something, drums must be the you know, the best of a bad bunch. Um, so I'd stuck that down on the form. And then the the music teachers came round to our primary school and sort of did a few sort of musical tests um, just to see, I think, really whether we were actually suited to the things that we'd put we'd put down. So if some people had put down a brass instrument, but they had braces or something, they may well have sort of pointed them in a slightly different um, direction just you know just so that the instrument sort of um, really did fit with them um, with your sort of personality and, and, sure. and your musicality um, so 
apparently my rhythm was okay and so I was allowed to go and do the drums and um and and away, and away we went and then of course I got got to school and um really enjoyed it had a fantastic um percussion teacher who um said oh actually I you know I'm really enjoying teaching you you know would you like to have some private lessons and he amazingly did it for almost next to nothing um from a money point of view which um mm-hmm. looking back was just a real gift um and just encouraged me to play as much as I could so I I I joined a local silver band and then joined some local music centers and got involved in various different ensembles. And the more I played and the more I wanted to play, um, and, and, and it just went from there really. And there was just, you know, inside of me, I just thought this feels very different than anything else I do in my life. And actually it feels good. And I think more of that is probably the way forward. And that was kind of what really got me the bug. So do you still remember the first time you played for the public, for people out there? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, not necessarily the very first time, but certainly the first main concert that I that I did. I'd I joined this um, silver band, um, which was in in a, in, a, in the local town, um, and I'd first gone there, and um, I hadn't been learning very long, and um, and I had it in my mind I had to read the music properly, and I was quite inexperienced. And the bandmaster had turned around and said, "Look, just play a really simple rhythm like this," and I got really confused, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I thought I meant to play what was written," and he wanted me just to keep a rhythm basically so the band could play along, right. and so my sort of, my, my sort of initial start was. Um, was a little bit nervy from that point of view anyway i stuck it out and with support from my parents um and then literally just a few months later their their first concert came along and they had this piece called miller magic which is a whole load of glenn miller tunes and one of them has a has a big drum solo towards the end and i thought that's it i'm gonna learn this piece i'm gonna practice it like mad and um and so i did and i practiced it every day for hours on end and um just loved the thrill of learning it and when it came to the concert um i absolutely oh in my mind anyway nailed it as it were because yeah. i just i just enjoyed it so much and um and played it so much but um the feeling i got was amazing and the reaction i got from everyone around me was amazing because they'd seen this sort of really nervous young child come into the band just a few months before not really kind of knowing what to do and then in the space of a few months really I guess sort of maturing into someone who sort of seemed to know what they were doing and had worked hard and, and really sort of made this concert come to life I think because they'd been without a percussionist for a little while before so not only did they have different sounds and things they actually had sort of a young person um, actually sort of bringing the whole thing to life and that felt very very strong and very positive and I think that really spurred me on from there on in. Right it sounds like it was a great launch into your career. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that's true, and I think some of those feelings I had back then, when I was sort of only in my early teens, um, I, I still get now when I'm performing. You know, th- it's still that sense of having to learn something, that sense of um, preparation, the sense of performing, which is which is always there and always exciting, and um, and in that state of flow of being able to sort of check in with yourself, where you just allow everything else to get out of the way, and you're just in the moment. Um, and from there, you know, great music comes and that's when the, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and, uh, and you know, something special is happening. Oh, yeah. So is a silver band, is that like a brass band? Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So okay. it, it, it could be called a brass band or a silver band that just happened to be, uh, to be that name. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, well, I uh, started playing saxophone when I was in high school and just loved that. I had played piano before and accordion and, and organ and things like that. But 
Yeah, it just it's a certain kind of magic, isn't it? When you start playing and you feel like you've actually nailed it, like you said, you can play something that people enjoy. So then you, uh, of course, went through high school. And when did you decide you wanted to make this your life? Um, I think I was it was really lucky for me. I mean, the school I went to um, was very supportive from a musical point of view. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also back then there was a bit more money in music education than yes. there is these days. Um, and so I had people slightly older than me that were in the school wind band and the school orchestra. Um, and then they got involved in, um, our county system, which is kind of like, um, like your state, I guess. So you would then get auditioning, get picked to go and play in the in that particular ensemble as well and then from there I'd see people going to music college and going off to London or wherever to to study and so because these people were sort of within my world I sort of I thought well actually I could do that you know it's something I really enjoy I've seen people going off and doing it again and if maybe that's maybe that's the way forward you know and compared to sitting down and thinking about what kind of career I want it seemed like a bit of a no-brainer I thought if I can do what I love then that's what I'm going to go for. Oh, yeah. I I remember feeling the same thing and became a music teacher and taught the band instruments and recorder and some of the things you've been talking about. Wow, really exciting, really fulfilling. But tell me about this music education company called Rhythmically Speaking. What was that about? So that came about... um I had a friend of mine who was teaching um, in a school and asked me to go along and do um, do some drumming mm-hmm. um, lessons on an individual basis. And then he said, you know, can you um, can you do some sort of whole class things? You know, I want something that I can get everyone engaged in. He said, once they get slightly further down their path, you know, they do record as an individual lessons. But I want something sort of more early years that we can do easily with a class without necessarily having to teach them all the musical notation and all of that to begin with. You know, just a sense of what does it really feel like, you know, to be a musician, which I mm-hmm. thought was a great idea. So we came up with this thing um, called... Um, um, rhythmically speaking, which basically is like a samba, it's a whole class samba project, oh. um, and um, and it really just was a way of sort of encompassing everybody, giving them all support, um, rhythm games and individual um, rhythms within the samba style, um, but it it's split into groups, so you can really let the people who've got a bit of a musical understanding shine, but you can support those who are a little bit shy as well. And you just basically layer the, all these rhythms up as a musical sandwich, and then you create a piece. And then from there, you can take the structure as, as detailed as you want and expand it as much as you want. But you can you can take a class that's had pretty much no musical experience um, to a really interesting performance. And we did some of them just literally within the space of an hour, um, or some of them we did over a course of um, a few weeks and tried to support the staff with some um, material that they could use as well. And um, and the kids absolutely loved it. So it, it sort of grew from there, really. It sort of started in, in this school. Um, but then we, we, we took it around the country and um, went it anywhere that people wanted it. Um, we sort of went with it and, um, yeah, and grew it from that, that sort of standpoint. Right. That sounds really like a great opportunity for the students to... So tell me when mindfulness became part of what you did. So I think mindfulness really, it's about, as I said before, that, that understanding, you know, does it feel good? Does it not feel good? Um, from, a, from a performance point of view, um, it sort of starts with that kind of, I'm going to be performing and I'm, I'm under stress and <laughs> I know I'm yes. under stress and I know I'm nervous. So you can either just blank everything out and you just sort of go into a hole and you do whatever you do, or you can actually be mindful about what it is that you're doing. You think, well, it's absolutely understandable. I'm about to perform something. I've got 
high expectations of what I want to do. Um, and obviously there are lots of people watching, um, and I've prepared for this, so I want to do the best job I can. Um, and so the mindfulness comes in is just to start with is, you know, how do I equip myself to do this? So part of it is all the prep and all the stuff before, but then it's about the kind of, it's fine. Okay. So if I'm going to be nervous, um, let, is that how I feel? Yes. I can feel my, you know, my heart racing. So let's, um, take some deep breaths, um, and be very understanding with myself that, that's how I feel and that's okay. I don't have to be someone who can say, oh, I never get nervous or I'm always in control. I, I am who I am. And, um, and so it's just, how, how does all that feel? How does that fit together? And then once you start performing, it's just the, actually the physicality of, you know, how am I hitting the drum? How am I wanting to do that? How am I listening to everyone else around? And so you have to be in the moment. So the mindfulness comes partly from a, you know, how am I, what am I doing? And it kind of then morphs into an allowing, which then just, basically seems to engulf you um and then that's when the best performances kind of arise because then you're really in a position to uh, to help yourself and i love how you said morphs into an allowing because some of the people i work with they say that they really have trouble with that like just kind of letting go and allowing things to happen can you expand on how you do it it, it doesn't always happen the same every time. That's the thing. I mean, every day is different. Some days you just, for me anyway, I can pick up a pair of sticks and play and um, and it just seems to work. It's a little bit like you hear some sportsmen say, oh, the ball was like the size of a football and, you know, I've never been able to see it so clearly and I could hit it really quickly, um, hit it really clearly or hit it really far and I didn't know what I was doing, but it just seemed to happen automatically. And other days, you know, you can't hit anything or you can't do anything properly. It doesn't seem to quite right because you're not quite quite in that same space. And I think that's okay as well. Um, but I think part of it is, is, is the letting go. And to let go, you just basically bring everything back into the more of this moment and then the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. And from a musical point of view, it's just a question of you sort of stop reading the music. You, you, you start listening to the people around you. You start to get swept along by the music. Um, and, and you're just totally in, in, engulfed in, in what it is that you're doing. And how does that necessarily play out? I, I'm not sure I can put it into words, really. I think that's the magic of music in, in lots of ways. Um, but it's just an experience that you start to get used to doing. And you can you just try and do it more and more each time um, that you do it. And you get more experienced in how you can do that. And part of it is just a question of, um, you know, grounding yourself, you know, having a few tricks up your sleeve that can just help you one of the things i do is just um sometimes before i perform i just touch my thumb and my uh, my first finger mm-hmm. and and just almost say a little prayer of kind of you know we've been here before we know how this works you know we, we, we can do this and, and it just sort of, sort of takes you back into a place that you think no I've, i can do this i've got the experience of this i've got the understanding of how i make this work and i can produce something which is um which is really good for other people and i guess that's the other thing which is important to notice is the fact that it very much often becomes your problem because you you've as i said you've done the prep you want to perform well you put the pressure on yourself and if you can often then just spin it around and think i'm here performing for other people they want to get the best experience they possibly can i'm doing this for them i'm if i hold back because i'm scared then they don't get the best of me and if they get the best of me then they get an experience which they're going to remember much more and then all of a sudden everything just starts to unwind a little bit and the allowing starts to happen a bit more organically um and then from there it all just seems to flow right i really like that thread of thought in the introduction i talked about 
you play opera, ballet, music theater, symphony. Do you play other kinds of music like rock and some of these others as well? And if you do, what are some of your favorites? Um, I, I don't really do... Um, I mean, I, I do sort of rock playing on my own in terms of practicing the drum kit or whatever, but it's sure. the it's the orchestral percussion side and playing the timpani, which is my my my, my favourite thing. Yes. Um, and but also you know the, the the diversification. Um, um, last week I was performing with the um the Royal Shakespeare Company in the Barbican in London, um, and that experience was totally different than this week. Last week we were in what's essentially like a recording studio in the bottom of the theatre, and all the m- music is microphoned very tightly in this theatre and in the studio and then just gets piped through into the auditorium um and the only time that the people know that there's a live band there is because um, we go and take a bow at the end um and um and that's a really strange experience because you literally are just snippets of conversation of um of concentration which you then have to perform and then you stop again and then you go back on again and that's uh that's that's an interesting way of, of of working. And then this week is completely different. I'm in the Royal Albert Hall in London, um, doing the uh, farewell um, shows for Carlos Acosta, the ballet dancer. Um, and you know we're playing to thousands of people on stage in a massive live venue, um, where you you can literally see the whites of the eyes of the audience and um, and just hear hear the applause and and engage in the atmosphere. Um, sort of one to one, and 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 it's that kind of thing that I like um, the most. I think about being a freelance person that it's not the same every day, it's not the same every week, and I get to perform with some amazing people, um, and um, and and a different environment. Yeah, wow, wow. So it sounds like you're away from home a lot. What's that like for you? So that that part of my life, I've tried to change as, as we've had children, and um, when I first left college, I was I was away. Um, single and but away from where I was living for sort of 30 or 40 weeks of the year sometimes um but at that time it's fine because you're you know the people you work with become your best friends and you know we have a, a common goal in the music that we're performing in and the companies that we're working for um and then as I um when I met my wife and um we decided that especially when the children came along that actually we wanted a we wanted at least one of us to be at home all the time so we decided to to split the childcare, um and um and and also just, you know, just to be around because, you know, part of what I, the reason I was able to be away that long was because I was on my own and I was doing something I loved. And then all of a sudden you've got all these other things that you love that are living in your house and, um, and, and you want to make the most of that as well. So then it becomes a slightly more, um, more not tricky, but uh, more decisions need to be made in terms of what those percentages are because you still want to be yourself, which is what being a musician is for me, but at the same time want to be there and experience all those great days that we've um, shared as our kids have grown up. Um, so we've kind of tailored it around a little bit that one of us was generally at home more and just taken on slightly different bits of work. It's, the, it's one of the reasons I, um, I developed um, my mobile app, um, which is um, called Inspirational Wake Up Inspired, which was just a... Um, an alarm clock app, um, which um, wakes you up with a famous quote. Um, but I, I started working with a friend of mine who's also a musician, and we had a bit of time on our hands because our lives had changed slightly. And um, and I'd sort of got into sort of um, Louise Hay and the Hay House yes. organization and, um, and started being on a couple of courses with some of these people, and they're all really keen to be involved. And so we decided rather just than having just famous quotes on this app that we'd actually get some famous quotes, but also some quotes from some of their authors. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, and the great thing about that was we were then able to put links to their, um, 
to their website and and to their social media so that um people could just download the app because they wanted a, an alarm clock app and our idea was that they'd wake up and have a little moment of uh, of thought as they did it sort of set themselves up for a great day but behind behind that there was a whole load of life information which I was beginning to find incredibly important and incredibly supportive um and um and people could come across it um in in their own time as it were so um and so yeah so just sort of diversifying a little bit like that um really sort of helped out just sort of change the amount of time I was at home and how I could change my work life balance well i really love that idea and the inspirational wake up app is just just terrific it, i think it's just a a great thing you know you wake up and instead of thinking oh my gosh what do i have to do today or whatever you're just waking up in a more relaxed way and thinking about a positive quote someone has has said and i just think that's incredibly empowering i know mark that you're also in addition to everything else that you do you're also a volunteer helping those less fortunate can you talk about that a little bit um yes that's right um i volunteer at um, a local hospice um and I got involved in that originally through the music. I was looking to do some kind of volunteer work and, and I'd seen they were looking for someone to do some music. So I I went along and um, spoke to them and and I, I have been in and done some music. Um, but it turns out that actually my, sort of the biggest gift I could do was just sort of being there. And um, and most of the music that I've done has just been related sort of from a technology point of view, just being able to use the computer and finding songs that they want to listen to and... Um, um, playing musical games with name that tune. That's that 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 sort of thing, which you can do on a fairly um, regular and easy basis. And I've taken my drums in sometimes, which has been a bit fun. And I've organised some other people to come in as well. Um, but having been involved in in, in the organisation, I, I I started to get really interested into what it what it, what life was about really, and 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 some of the journeys these people were on. Um, and then I got involved in their chaplaincy team, and um, um my. Um, myself, I'm not religious per se, but I would say I'm I'm very spiritual. And as I said, I've been involved in, with the Hay House organisation, um, and and been on lots of their their workshops and been involved with some of their authors. Um, and it just really started to make me think. You know, what people don't talk about, which I think would probably help a lot of people, is the fact that you know we're we all born and we're very excited when we're born and we're very keen to learn. Um, which everyone's excited about, but what they don't talk about quite so much is the fact that at the end, everyone does die. Um, and, um, and the question is, is what do you want to do in the middle of that? Um, and if you can do something positive, if you can do something in your life, which is really inspires you, if you can be of service to other people, um, then, then that makes for a really great fulfilling life. And I thought, well, I've been really lucky. I've done the things I love in my life. And, um, and this was a way just to sort of sort of explore that a little bit more, really. And um, and it's it's a very moving um, experience. And I get to get to go in each week and, and help wherever I can and um, and chat to people and um, yeah, and just um, share their journeys, really, and, and help and support them in any way that I can. 
Wow, that is really terrific, Mark. I know we have a war veterans hospital in our city, and sometimes I would go in there and play some of the songs, the requests, you know, and and just talk to some of the residents and spend time with them. So I can resonate exactly with what you've done. It's it's really fulfilling. But you sound like you're just so happy and relaxed and contented and and pleased with what you've created in your life. And I mean, that's true mindfulness. How do you how do you inspire some of the students that you work with to be mindful also? Um, I have to say, um, that's great that it comes across like that. That isn't necessarily how I always, <laughs> how I always feel. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I would say I'm a long way into my journey of that as well. I, um, I do get very frustrated um, with the system, whatever that right. system happens to be. And, and education is, is one of them, you know, as I said, you know, yes. I know lo- so many kids they they start school and they're just eyes wide open and they're so eager to learn and then then you have to do this and then you have to do that and there's no kind of supporting them to be themselves um and being mindful is 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 such a massive thing um to do with that and it's it's just really finding a way of um of supporting them to be themselves when they're doing it so for my individual um percussion or drum students the first thing i say is one um you can't be wrong um, everything you're doing is another way of learning how to do it. And, um, and also I explain, you know, how the brain works, you know, because a lot of them want to be able to just do it straight away and they get frustrated when they don't. And I'll just say to them, you just need to be mindful of how you, how you actually work. You know, each time that you try and do a different bit of coordination, your brain is trying to send the waves from their brain down to your arm or, or your leg. Um, and it's never done it before. So why why do you expect it to work first time? You know, each time you do it right, then you start to reinforce those patterns which are really going to help you and be successful in the thing that you're learning to do. So you can't be wrong. All you're doing is reinforcing the, the good stuff. Um, and, um, and then you just have to be patient. Be mindful about what you're trying to do. It's all part of the process. And then that that sort of starts to roll on because the the thing they're working on now they start to get good at and they want to play more and they want to play more and that's really great and then the whole thing starts again we start a new piece or you start a new different type of coordination and then it becomes hard again but then they start to recognize but that's still part of the process it's not it's not like you've got any worse than you were from when you could play the thing you played before actually you're much better than you were before but you're now learning something slightly different and that process works in exactly the same way um, so it's just make, trying to be positive and just, um, you know, just reinforcing all the, all you can do is you can learn and you can grow. And if you can do that, it's just a question of how you get there. Well, and I'm so glad, Mark, that you mentioned about the brain because I read a book yesterday. I'm, I'm so fascinated in the brain and how it works. I read this book yesterday about the dominant centers in our body and how the more we can do certain activities, the more it builds the brain's neural pathways and how, you know, we all know we have a dominant hand, but we have a dominant eye, we have a dominant foot, we have a dominant ear. And it talked in the book about how the more we can get those working together and do certain activities like playing a musical instrument and it kept talking about how being active and playing musical instruments is just one of the best things ever because you are you know we all know our brain is a computer with two sides that you know one side usually is dominant but the more we can get those sides working together the better it is. So 
did you find it really tough at the beginning to be coordinated like from one side of your brain to the other? I guess that would be your foot to your hands to your, you know, eyes and your ears, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't think that necessarily, I don't think it necessarily gets any easier. Um, <laughs> it, um, that, you know, the things that the, the bits of coordination, which you have learned in the past. So if it was a simple rock rhythm, for example, I don't need yeah. to think about that too hard. I can just sit down and play it because th- as you say, those pathways are absolutely, um, ingrained because I've been doing it for so many years. But, um, the thing about uh, being a percussionist, and I, and I found this in the recent things I've been doing, um, is the fact that the notation is such that you can have different instruments on different lines. And if you're being a multi-percussionist, you're playing lots of different instruments, but they're not even necessarily spaced in the same way. You might have um, a tambourine on your right-hand side and a triangle on your left-hand side and a drum in front of you and something behind you. Um, and so each time you learn a new piece of music or you're working with a different company, these setups might be different. So you then have to relearn that coordination. It's almost like a geography workout as well as a, as a, as a, as a reading the music kind of workout. Um, right. And so even though I'm more skilled at it because I would have been doing it for many years, that I still you still get back to that kind of, I just need to take it slow. I need to get the muscle memory going. I need to just give myself enough time to kind of, do that and that patience and that sort of mindful understanding has great dividends because then what happens is is you reinforce it and you reinforce it and then when you're under stress or when you're performing um or when you really have to make sure you get it right you've got all that muscle memory all those neurons are are sort of still sort of spinning around and all those pathways are so ingrained because you've just spent that time and been mindful enough to spend that specific sort of focused energy um to support yourself to do it and then it just more often than not will, will, will take care of itself well i just want to ask you mark do you ever meditate is meditation part of your life um i do um and I think meditation comes in, in lots of lots of different forms. Um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to live quite near a forest um, and I really enjoy just going for a walk around the forest and um, I really enjoy going to the coast. We live a couple of hours from the coast, but whenever we go on holiday, it tends to be down to the coast and just spending time by the sea. Um, and so I, I, quite, I quite like the... You know, being in nature and having that as a as a meditative state, really. Um, but what I do find is that when when I'm when I'm out of sorts and I and I really can't quite put my finger on it, that's when I just want some time some time to myself and some time to be alone. And and it's those days I might decide I, something's not quite right today. I'm just going to spend the first however long of my day just being quiet. Um, spending time with myself and just allowing everything to wash over and just to, to find my source find where, where where's my where where are the blockages coming from is um, um my understanding and my my feeling is that good is coming to us all the time and the support you get from sort of source energy is, is always there the question is how are you blocking it what is it that you're doing to get in the way of that coming to you um and that's usually when meditation comes in. Usually all sorts of things flood through your mind, but something just sticks somewhere and you start to think, oh, okay, you sort of, you come out of that state and you think, ah, oh, yeah, I, I can tell there's something there and something may even be later in the day, but something comes to you which feels important that you can then start to work on a little bit and get put back in place. Um, right. But the, the other thing that I do, which is a kind of meditation really, is, um, is be, being a percussionist, I spend quite a lot of time sat down and um having to stretch and all that sort of thing while i'm performing so um i do work a little bit with um a thing called alexander technique 
um, which is all about being mindful of your body and um, posture. And um, I do quite a lot of lying on the floor, um, supportive lying on the floor. So it just allows all of the things in my back just to to get back into their natural state and to loosen my muscles and that sort of thing. So I I kind of sort of combine the two things and I try not to make too much of it because it's very easy for it to become a thing. I must meditate or I must do Alexander technique or I must run or whatever it happens to be. But I just try and listen to my listen to my body and, and just see what works for me on any particular day. And if I think I need to be supportive from a meditation point of view, then I just spend some quiet time. If I think I need that and also some Alexander, then I can, I can do that as well. Or if I just literally just think I don't need to do about anything. I just want to go for a walk or I want to go for a run. Then I think that does the same thing. And so I try not to get too bogged down in what I have to do and, um, and just see what's going to help me in, in each moment. Right. And uh, so interesting that the book I read yesterday talks so much about just getting out into nature and walking. And that is good for the brain. It's obviously good for our body, but good for our brain because we're using, you know, our left foot, our right foot, our arms. We're just getting it all moving. So you probably know that I've been involved in bullying prevention for quite some time. And I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can make a huge positive difference in the lives of kids or adults who have been bullied. Do you have a story, Mark, about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Um, I think certainly um, would have made a difference. I mean, I, when I was a teenager, I was in in the uh, the scout uh, movement, um, and there are there are a couple of older kids there that um, didn't make my life particularly pleasant in the time that I was there. And I wasn't there that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very easy in those scenarios to to feel like it's all about you. You know, you're yes. doing something wrong. You're not the right way. You're not um, in a position to change anything. That's the other thing. Um, and of course, you could um, um, confide in someone and tell someone what was going on, which which I which I did eventually. Um, but I think you know, in hindsight, I mean, looking looking back now with the the with the experience I have of my life. Um, it's just understanding that the people who are bullying or the people that are deemed to be making your life not so not so pleasant are just really they're reaching out for some support or um, something they're lacking they're, they're putting it on for themselves it's not really about you you just happen to be the person that got in the way yes. um, and and I think just understanding that these people are just you know they're, they're the ones that need more help really than you uh, as the victim sometimes so the thing to do is is to really just you know tell somebody that can help you maybe change your your circumstance you know you don't want to be surrounded by someone who's doing something to you not very nice all the time so that's the first thing is to take a little bit of action i think and that's just a mindful thing to do just acknowledge that it's going on and you have some kind of choice um and then also understand that it's not about you it's about them and um and from there i think you'll begin to attract the people that you want to spend time with that are supportive for you and those are the people that maybe were not so nice will probably just disappear in in a in a natural kind Away, and it's quite hard to quantify that when you're talking with someone who's not who's being bullied or whatever. But I think that's true. You do attract whatever it is that that you're spending your energy on, and so if you can spend your energy in a positive way or or being supportive of yourself, however that comes, I think you'll you'll find yourself in a better position. Yeah, I I really love that, Mark. My next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short thirty-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one: Who is one person? Who has influenced your mindfulness practice? There's someone called Nancy Levin, who um, who's used to be, I think, the events director of Hay House, um, and um, she's got a book called Jump, and um, and 
being involved in 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 a course of hers and um and having read that book was a was a really big thing that um you need to take responsibility for yourself and what it is that you want to do and um and every time you're thinking about anything just check in with yourself and um and that's really uh, re- re- really sort of the place where i really had a really big difference in in my mindfulness life how has mindfulness affected your emotions mark I think it's just made it more accepting. Um, I always thought I ought to be a certain way and being mindful just meant that I could understand what the emotion was and and then accept it, love it for what it is. And then from there, it, it can change or morph into, in, in, into whatever it needs to be. And, and just don't put too much on it. Just allow it to be what it is and let it let it flow. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Um, I think breathing is incredibly important. Um, as I said before, from a performing point of view, it's the thing that lowers the heart rate. It's the thing that gives me support and understanding. And generally speaking in life, if I feel stressed or if I feel slightly out of sorts, it's generally through lack of breath. And so taking a deep breath, a bit of time and a bit of mindfulness in in how your body's taking in all that oxygen and how it's working for you um, can be really supportive and certainly is for me. So... You've recommended the book Jump by Nancy Levin. Is that the book that you'd like to have recorded on the show notes? Or do you have another book on mindfulness you'd like to mention? Um, I, I think probably a different one. There's a book um, called Dying to Be Me, um, which is by Anita Morjani. Um and um, that book's incredible. It, it's, it basically tells the story of Anita's near-death experience. Um, and And it just basically puts her life in perspective of why she thought she got ill, how she came back, her experience of the whole near-death experience itself, um, and 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 how she lives her life now and, and what it means to her and how she goes about it and how her life has completely changed and how she's perfectly healthy and has been for the last 10 years. And, um, um, yeah, I'd recommend that's, that's a good place for anyone to start in terms of putting everything in perspective. Well, you have your incredible inspirational wake-up app, which I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. Any other apps that help you to be more mindful, Mark? Um, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the one that I I use every morning to uh, to wake up. Um, another app which I use, which is from a I'm not sure how mindful it is, but it, it just really helps me. is is an app called Clear, which is just a a, a very trendy, cool um, list app. Um, okay. But what it does is it just really helps me just to kind of compartmentalize everything. Um, and so I can just flit in and out of each thing. So when I need to focus on different types of things and be mindful about what it is that I'm doing, I know it's all just there and, um, and can help me get where I need to go. Wow. Well, I've really appreciated talking with you today, Mark. How can Mindful Tribe connect with you, learn more about what you do? So the best way of, of finding out um, more about me is to go to um, educationonfire.com um, and that's where my education podcast is based and, and, and that podcast is really just, it's a combination of all the things we've talked about, about performance and, 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 and education and um, what, I'm, what I'm doing on there is I'm just sharing um, just people that are already doing creative and inspiring things within schools and education. Um, and the, the, the whole point being that while we might want to change the system or we might think it ought to be a different way, there's something we can do today to this particular person or create something which is just possible ripple effect, which is going to support other people. And I wanted to show real life examples of that. So um, you can find out about me and, and all those different stories um, yeah, through my educationonfire.com podcast. 
Thanks for sharing all this today, Mark. I've really enjoyed talking with you. All the best to you. Thanks, Bruce. It's been a pleasure. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.